Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? You know, I'm doing well. I'm uh, surviving my post-football hangover. Um, I'm starting to get excited about free agency in a couple of weeks. So, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yep. Free agency is approaching. Uh, the, the social media rumor mill is already full tilt. Oh, yeah, which is always fun. Rumors are always a lot of fun because uh, they're usually all over the place. But there's also that new, I don't know if it's new, it's new for a couple of years, that tampering window where they even call it a tampering window, like a legal tampering window where you can just talk to people who are about to be unrestricted free agents. That's kind of cool. You can get some kind of news ahead of the day of, oh, these players are talking to these teams. Like, I like that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to kind of see, like, which rumors kind of come out. And, like, especially when they started back in that tampering area, you know, like, which ones had some kind of juice to it, like, right from the get-go. Uh, and which were just complete nonsense and could have been ignored the whole time, but people spent weeks analyzing. I like that, once again, you get certain rumors that recycle every year oh yeah. so every year you get like the same kind of rumor come back oh this might be the year this thing happens um yeah which i which is i think always really interesting um but i guess also now this is something i don't normally pay attention to until after but i do believe there's some sort of franchise tag window that yes. is coming up or open now i guess it started um, I, actually today the day we're recording on. okay so a couple days by when people are listening to this. But that, to me, that's like a very interesting window as well because you get to see who's franchise tagged, who isn't in a certain time. Um, I'm also starting to see like a lot of rumors around the draft, which is also exciting. I mean, I think I love the draft for all the potential trades and stuff. So I always get excited about the draft as well. So yeah, I think March and April, that's, that's when things peak a bit more. You get some excitement and then, you know, as you get into the early summer, things die down again. But we're getting we're getting close to some very exciting times. We'll have a lot a lot of news to talk about. Yes, yeah, it's slowly, slowly, slowly ramping up. Um, and I think after next week, when the combine begins, then I think it'll we'll hit that next level of like the rumor mill. Oh yeah, I mean there'll be so much to talk about with what's going on with that number one pick. Like that, yes. that alone has a lot of people talking. Yeah. And well, we're going to talk about that a little bit in, um, in our news segment, Are but we? yeah, that's yep. Briefly. Oh. Uh, glad you, I didn't glad look at any of the show notes, yeah. but just so you glad know. you review. I'm glad you're prepared. Hey, yeah. you also sent me something earlier today, just a little behind the scenes for our listeners. And uh, I replied to it, but I honestly had no idea what I was replying to. I'm like, I think I get what I'm doing, but I don't know why. But apparently we're doing something else special today that I either forgot about or didn't know about. Or You're just in off-season mode. You're, you're... No, I think, I think you may have added this on without telling me, actually. I don't think so. <laughs> I, you might have. Uh, you might have. 
think you might have. All I don't right. remember us talking about this last week. I honestly don't. So we're we're gonna talk because <laughs> <laughs> I I have no recollection. I don't know we were doing this. I wasn't prepared to talk about it, but we're talking about it. We're gonna talk about it. Yep. I'm glad you're prepared. Um Yeah, well when the combine comes out or when your starts next week, then we'll kind of see like the classic uh rise and fall in the uh projected draft. Uh, order, I guess, of the players, you know, like um, se- setting us up for the the actual NFL draft and the the surprises that'll come out there, like with Will Levis last year. Yeah, um, it all begins next week, really, with the uh, with the combine. Yeah, like the combine is great for news and fandom and speculation, but I don't think it's good for the game personally. Like, I think that's oh, no. where the overthinking begins. Okay, that's what I think like just too much thought goes into the numbers and not enough into like the film or yeah yeah like to me like i get it i i understand especially in football different from other sports why you want to look at fitness why you want to look at like weights and jump ability and all these like little things especially because a lot can happen in a, in a football season even at the junior level so you might not want to judge someone just a hundred percent on film i totally get that but i i think there's just too much emphasis like anything you see at the combine that's really going to change your opinion on a kid by like that much, I think is ridiculous. I think the film and how they do on game day, talking to their coach and like the training staff of teams, I feel like that to me is a little more important than combine numbers. Um, that's just my opinion. And seeing some players drop and some players get selected. Like we saw all, I don't know if you saw all those charts this year, Josh, that people were putting out about the receivers of how many receivers were sort of picked this year over some of the ones who were like rookies who were doing really good, like Rashid Rice and all these other ones that had like great seasons. But then there were like two or three that were picked first above them. And it's just like, you know, sometimes you're rolling the die. Like, you know that. So to me, you got to focus on game film. You got to focus on talking to, to their trainers, their coaching, previous coaching staff, and then combine it with like, oh, and here's a little 30% bump or like a, when all things are equal now we'll look at these combine stats like i just i don't know it for like a wide receiver especially i don't care how much you could bench press how are you learning and understanding your route and when things go wrong how do you do you know how to adjust to get back for a quarterback to figure out where you have to be to be in the right spots like those are the things i'd want to know yeah i i don't know i think like um some of the metrics like the jumping and the especially the running and like the speed i think that certainly has a place in it but i would argue i think they should be done in full gear how high can you jump wearing your football equipment how fast can you run the 40 in a football equipment how fast can you do like the uh the shuttle drill in your football equipment you know like do a drill where, you know, you run like 20 yards and then or like you run 10 yards and then curve up like as if you were like running around the end of the line and then curving up field, you know, like how fast are you in that straightaway? How fast are you like rounding the corner? How fast are you on a bigger straightaway? You know, um, what's your what's your cut speed? All of it should be done in pads because that's what you're going to be doing in the game. You know? Yes, I can and see that. Yeah. The pads weigh you down. The pads 
alter some how some people run you know like i played i played football growing up and i ran track i was a sprinter growing up i ran differently sprinting than i did when i was on the football field because i didn't have equipment on when i was sprinting and i would argue i was 100 percent faster when i did not have football equipment on um because i could focus on the pure mechanics of the running i had nothing weighing me down I was ready to go. All I had to do was do that. But that's not what you're doing on a football field. You know, same thing with jumping up. You know, if, if you can jump in just a t-shirt and shorts and, uh, you know, you can jump twice your height. Well, that's that's amazing. But are you doing that with the gear on, limiting your, your shoulder flexibility, you know, weighing you down a little bit? I think that's something they should be doing because that would give you a much more honest metric of what you're going to get on the football field. But I don't think they'll ever do that. If they haven't started, if they haven't done it now, I don't think they'll ever do it. Yeah, there's just, you can look up massive lists of people who like had terrible combines who are stars or were yep. NFL stars. And I just think that that's too, too common. Um, and I think, yeah, like uh, to me, I'm all about having more data. The more information you can have, the best. I just think there's, there's an overanalyzing problem. Um, and there can be a, and we see it in coaching a lot, like a lot of really, really dumb decisions get made every single year. It seems like even more so, I don't know if it's because I'm paying attention more often or I'm older, but I'm noticing bigger mistakes and worse decisions. And to me, it's overanalyzing. So I think, I think you, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like if it was a combine where even if we parred the events down a bit and stick to kind of just the ones you're mentioning in full gear. I feel like to me that makes more sense and then treat the second half of it like a meet and greet. And I know they do that. And I know they do interviews and stuff. They try to get to know the player, but more like, I don't know, social and networking opportunities as well. Not just one-on-one interviews. Like it's some, I don't know. I guess it, I'm bringing my own biases into it, but an interview and a conversation are two completely different things. And I think yeah, people right. act one way in an interview and a different way in a conversation. And I would be doing everything I could to make sure we have conversations, not interviews. Like those are just the little things that I'd be changing. Yeah. And, you know, like reach out to reach out to their team, you know, like, is this guy a team player? Do, do his teammates like him? Is he respected yes, yeah. in the locker room? Is he an actual leader? Just cause he's a team captain doesn't mean he's a leader, right? Like he might just be the captain cause he's the starting quarterback. Um, but everyone hates him. You know, does he actually motivate these guys? Um, and, and, and I agree with you, too, uh, just going back to the, the analytics of the the combine. I, I agree. Like, I don't think they should have as much weight as they do because you're right. People do have bad combines and then perform amazing in the NFL because it's two different things. You know, one is how they perform in a game and the other is how they perform being tested. You know, there there could be any reason why they did bad in the combine from Maybe it's a little bit of like a test anxiety mm -hmm. uh, that they don't really have in the game because they're in the heat of the moment. They're not thinking about it. Yeah. Um, to they didn't feel good that day. They had a bad sleep. Uh, just anything. They slipped. You know, they slipped at the start of the 40. Uh, and then they were half a second slower than they normally are, which is huge in terms of your speed percentile score. Um, and if all you're looking at is that well then yeah you're gonna pass on this oh well why would i want this guy he was in like the 92nd percentile when i could have this guy who's in the 98th meanwhile 
if that guy had run it 10 more times, he was probably in 99th percentile eight or nine of those 10 other times. Um, but they don't do that. You get one shot and then that's it. Um, well, like even with CJ Stroud, he, I think had, I don't know if he had the worst or one of the worst um, on the IQ or, or like football IQ exam that they wrote. Um, I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah. But he was one of the best rookie quarterbacks uh, this season. Yeah. The best rookie quarterback this season. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks over the course of the entire season. And Bryce Young, who scored better than him, was drafted ahead of him, did way worse. They are both in kind of similar situations. They both didn't really have anyone around them in terms of receiving core, um, running back, like anything. It was all they were. They were pretty on par. And CJ Stroud played football. Bryce Young tried. Mm. Um, and then, like you said, um, watching film, you know, you want to see how they're going to perform on the football field. Go and watch what they did on the football field. Yeah. You know, if if every time in film, you know, they get tackled and as soon as they get tackled, they're falling down. Well, then, you know, that they're not good at breaking tackles. Yeah. So if that's the kind of team, the offense you run, like, you know, run it up the gut, slam into people, break tackles, probably not your guy. Um, regardless of what, whatever they test the combine that might kind of pull you towards, oh, yeah, no, we can we can make him work. We can we can teach him to break tackles. No, no, that's a. That's an in, uh, untangible. Like, that's something you can't teach. That's just no. something the player does. Yeah, precisely. And I think any NFL team out there who wants to add me to their scouting team, just let me know. Yeah. Mike is, Mike is available. Very available. And I'm very affordable. You might be able to get hired by a CFL team, maybe, as a scout. Yeah, I'd do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that either. I love the CFL. You wouldn't uh, even have to move. You'd be... You'd be right there. That's true. That's true. I wouldn't even have to uh, go far. I mean, I suppose I'd have to travel to some of the university uh, towns to watch some games. But hey, that's not uh, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. No. Um. Well, uh, we'll dive into the news here real quick. We we don't have much to talk about, and then we'll get into our our devil header for this episode. Uh. So. Mike Evans and the Buccaneers remain far apart on contract talks with Evans trending towards becoming a free agent. Um, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback for the same team also uh, scheduled to become a free agent as well. So, and I had read, I think it was shortly after the season or after the Buccaneers season ended that uh, if Mayfield comes back, he wants Evans back as well. But it seems like that probably won't happen. So whether or not Mayfield comes back, I don't know. Um, but that seems to throw a wrinkle in it because the one thing that he wanted, the team doesn't seem like they're willing to do at this point. Yeah, I mean, that and, would be a huge loss. A huge oh, absolutely, loss. yeah. They lose yeah. both of those guys, definitely. Yeah, I don't even know what their their offense would really look like without Mike Evans because Chris Godwin did nothing this year. And they'd have to draft a quarterback, I imagine, unless they get one of the, I don't know, maybe you get like a Kirk Cousins. Like, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, I mean, that would be the natural kind of progression of where they would go. <clears throat> I just think, yeah, you you, you want to keep Mike Evans and, and you want to keep Baker Mayfield because of the connection they had. 
But if both those guys hit free agency, like there are going to be teams out there who are not only interested in Mike Evans, but would probably at least look at, can we bring in both? <laughs> like that, that would happen. I could see teams do that. I think Mike Evans will have a bigger list and there'll be tons of teams interested in him. But I could see a team going out there being like, you know what? Maybe we can get them both. And suddenly we've got a new QB receiver combo. I could see it happen. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And, like I'm just looking at a list of uh, free agent QBs and aside from Kirk Cousins, I genuinely don't know who else they would, they could get and I think be able to salvage their offense, especially with the loss of Mike Evans. So, yeah, I mean, if I you got Cousins, it. that would at least be a QB who can do something. But with Evans gone, yeah, I just, I don't know. They still have a decent running back and they've got some depth at receiver, but without Evans, yeah, like I just don't, I, yeah, I just don't see it. No. Me either. Um, there are rumors of Justin Fields leaving Chicago, which might be announced during the Combine, which would be next week. Um, he did unfollow the uh, Bears on, I believe, on Instagram. So is that uh, him being released, traded? Like what? Because he's I, under contract. Yeah, he's under contract, so I don't know what their plan would be if they try to shop him and then they use the number one overall pick to take a quarterback or yeah. what their plan is. You got to trade them. You can't let them walk for nothing. Like it, I know you got the number one pick and you're probably like really happy with that. Caleb Williams looks like he's going to be a stud, but you've, you've got to get some assets for Justin Fields. Like this could be a game changer for this franchise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, if, uh, if you've decided that, Justin Fields isn't uh, isn't the one for you, then you got to take the like you're not going to get a better opportunity than what you have right now, no. where you have the pick and the player available. Because a lot of times, you know, like it's not every year that you get a, a number one overall worthy quarterback. It, no, it, 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 it really isn't. isn't. No, it, it's really not. And Fields would be someone who you can get something for, e- even if. You're sitting here going like, well, I'm not getting the value I want. Time's a ticking. You, like, get something. It's better to get something than nothing at this point if, if you've got to move on from him. I believe he's going into the final year of his rookie contract, actually. So I could see a world where they keep him and then draft Caleb Williams. And then you play Justin Fields. If he plays well, perfect. Williams learns from him. And then he can take over in 2025. If Justin Fields doesn't do well, then you do, they do what every NFL team does. After two or three games, they pull the plug way too early, and then you put the rookie in and hope <laughs> it works out. Well, and I think I think it's probably a player opinion sort of thing at this point, where Fields doesn't want to do that. Like, I, yeah. I would imagine, like, if Fields is unfollowing, and he wants to leave, and he's out, and he's disconnected, then your hand's a little forced. Like, I... I get it, and I wouldn't necessarily be quick to say, hey, let's just move on from him. But I would say if you have to, now's the time to do it. Leading into the draft, if you know you're taking the number one pick, if you know you're going to get a quarterback, okay, there are tons of teams out there who need a decent quarterback. Tons. And Fields is still young enough that you you know a team will, will take a risk on him to say, like, listen, he's, he's going to keep developing. 
He's had a good season, maybe a good season and a half. We can work with him. We can put him in a decent offense. We can probably each name three or four teams that that would that could use him. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And he's only twenty four years old, so you pick him up. I think he's got six million on the last year of his rookie contract. Sign him to whatever you want after that, or don't if it doesn't work out. But he's he's young enough. You could you could have him for another eight years, really. Eight to ten years, yeah. Uh, depending on how his legs hold up, because that is a big part of his game is his ability to run. Um, so yeah, you could get him six million dollars for one year. Sure, a bit expensive, but if the benefit of it is you now have a decade-long franchise quarterback, that's it's a good it. price to pay. Yeah, it's worth, worth it, it if you can do that. Yeah. Um, some fantasy relevant franchise and transition tag candidates. So just for our listeners, so the franchise tag is a one year tender of the average of the top five player salaries at that player specific position. So if you're a running back, they give you basically the average of the top five salaries in the running backs of that year uh, or over the last five years. Sorry. So whatever the, whatever the five, were so that's why it's kind of good for franchise players you know when those big contracts come out because it, it boosts the average over the last five years which gives you a bigger cash out if you get franchise tagged or you get 120 percent of your previous salary from the last year whichever right. whichever is greater is what you get yeah um and you can only be franchise tagged three times by the team so now you can get franchise tag three years in a row, which can be beneficial depending on your position and what your salary was, especially if you're getting the 120%, like you're getting a free 20% each time, right? Uh, but at the same time, it can kind of hamstring your career because now you're stuck playing an extra three seasons for a team you don't want to be with, might not be yeah. a very good team. Like that's um, the thing for the player. There's that side of it that you're kind of explaining of like it, it might not be the best scenario for them because then they're yeah. kind of stuck in that situation. Yeah. It might be good short term for the wallet, but yeah, it might be bad for you for your career development. Cause yeah. well, let's say, let's say you played your, let's say you got drafted by the team. They get, they took your fifth year option. So you played five years for them and then they franchise tag you for three in a row. Well, now you just spent eight years of, if you're running back, probably a 10 year career, 12 year career. Maybe you have four years left at best. Um, so if you don't get onto a Super Bowl contender afterwards, your your shot at getting a Super Bowl is probably gone. And then you're not gonna get that much money after playing for eight years as a running back. Like like this is different for every position, obviously, but a running back who's got eight years of wear and tear on him, you're not getting a huge contract as much as running backs want one, and I can certainly understand why they want one. They want to capitalize as much as they can. But teams aren't willing to take that risk because we've seen time and time again just how fast the season and career can be over because of a bad injury, especially the older you get. Yeah. Uh, and then the transition tag, which is the other half of it, is essentially a player is put on the transition tag. They can keep negotiating with teams. So, you know, they might, let's say, they play for... Okay, well, okay, so Saquon Barkley is on this list. So let's just say the Giants transition tag Saquon Barkley. 
Barkley can keep talking and negotiating with all the other teams. And then let's say the, the Patriots come to him and say, here's our offer. This is what we're going to sign for uh, you for. The Giants have the right to match that offer. So that way you're kind of, if you're going after a transition tag player, you're kind of negotiating against yourself because you're, you have to tell his team what they can match. And it kind of takes away a lot of your negotiating ability because unless you automatically put a, put an offer out there that you know that they can't beat, they're going to beat you because they're going to offer what you're doing or more and tip the hand because the scales are always going to be tipped in their favor. Now, each team can only take one player with the, uh, with the transition tag. And then if the player uh, plays on that tag, it's a fully guaranteed deal. So whatever you sign them, they're fully guaranteed every dollar of that money. Yeah. So those are the two different types of tags. Um, we're, we're now, as of the date of this recording, February 20th, we're now in that period where players can be franchised and transition tagged. It goes until March 5th. And some of the fantasy relevant one uh, players involved in this this year are running back Saquon Barkley, running back Josh Jacobs, wide receiver T. Higgins, wide receiver Michael Pittman, and quarterback Baker Mayfield. So those are just, you know, that's, that's different from everyone who's eligible to be a free agent. These are just the guys who are eligible to be franchise tagged or transition tagged by their teams. So there's going to be plenty more to talk about in terms of the free agency. These are just the ones who could end up getting the tags. Yeah. And I mean, Barkley and Jacobs, their situation, especially with the whole, how the running backs have been this past year and, and their kind of alliance to be treated better uh, last year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the running yeah. backs, you know, what, whether or not they continue, especially cause like both Jacobs and Barkley, they're in such interesting situations where their team was really bad this year, but they both, their teams have shown like sparks of being something better. So it's interesting to see kind of what they think about the, their situations. And those are two like pretty big, fantasy relevant players. So I'm, I'm going to be very fascinated to see kind of where, where they go and, and what they're thinking and, and what they think is kind of best for each of them. Cause that's, those are two very interesting, interesting names. And the running back conversation to me is still one that's going to be had in the NFL for the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, just in case it wasn't clear, the tags are not optional. If the team decides to to uh, to exercise it, if the player wants to play that season, they're playing under it. So yeah. now they can opt. They can opt out of it. You know, they don't have to play under the tag, but that means they're not playing, which they're, is frustrating for the player. Yeah, as you mentioned, if they do want to get out. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if frustrating for the player, that, that's basically like a lose lose. But it is a, a possibility, and you know, we had threats of it last year where players were waiting to like essentially the very last second uh, before they would come to practice and play. Um, I think, well, Chris Jones for the chiefs, he, I don't remember if he was franchise tagged, transition tagged. He, he missed the first week Hmm. Um, and he didn't play until the second week. So it, it's not a guarantee that the player plays. Um, It's just a guarantee that if they're going to play, they're going to play for you for at least one more year but it can lead to 
bad feelings between the teams it and the players. Know. So, all right, well, moving on, let's dive into the biggest busts of 2023, which Mike had no idea we were doing, apparently. Yeah, I, I don't know. I had no idea we were doing this. Um, I mean, I certainly have players I can talk about. But yeah, this is complete news to me. Um, we'll see how this goes. I can see from from the notes here, you've got lots of statistics. Um, I don't have any statistics, but I have well, things to say about the players I've picked. <laughs> well, that's pretty par for the course between you and me. I have the statistics. You have your your gut feeling and your eye test, and uh, we'll see how they go. Great. Let's do this. Uh, well, let's do it. I'll get us started. Uh, so we'll start with quarterbacks. So my uh, 2023 biggest bust uh, was Trevor Lawrence. Can't disagree with you there. Nope. Uh, you you lived the Trevor Lawrence experience this year. So he was my <laughs> he was my I think he was my third pick. Oh, in the draft, like I'm because I remember I remember freaking out <laughs> because I picked. Chase, and I can't remember who I picked second, but it was either another receiver or a running back or like someone good. And I remember in the third round, I picked Trevor Lawrence by accident. I was going to pick him in the fourth round because I thought he'd still be there by the time I got there. And I had someone else, like another receiver or running back, or whatever. And I said Trevor Lawrence by accident and didn't realize until like seven, several picks later that I made the wrong pick. That's what happens when you're drafting multiple teams at once. You make. I'm drafting mistakes. for two people, and I'm also yep. managing our league, which is basically like trying to keep cats inside a box. Um, yeah. Herding so, kittens, yep. Yeah, herding kittens. So, yeah, Trevor Lawrence was my third pick. So I, I can't concur with you more that he was a bust. Yep. Uh, well, his 2023 average draft position was 49th overall. So that puts him, if you're in a 12-team league, basically end of the fourth round, start of the fifth round. Uh, so if you had taken him in the fourth round as you had planned, you would have been yes. kind of par for the course, for uh, depending on where your pick was in the fourth round. But you would have been par for the course in terms of how the fantasy football community was drafting. Uh, and he was being picked as the quarterback eight off the board. His fantasy finish was quarterback 13 with 16 games played. So while the QB 8th isn't a high draft cost, um, if you if you go by the position, that's about a 7th round average. But now, as we already said, his, his ADP was the 49th overall, which is actually 4th or 5th round. Um, so you have to look at the total over uh, ADP, not just the not just the positional one, because that can get skewed based on how your draft goes. Uh, if you took him there, it prevented you from obtaining another wide receiver or running back to kind of even out your team. And it left you with a starting quarterback outside of the top 12 who only averaged 19 fantasy points a game. And that's in six point fantasy in six point passing touchdown scoring. So, if and that even are, surprises me. <laughs> like that he was that high. That he av- yeah. No, that he averaged 19 points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just, <laughs> that, that's just the average, me. right? Because um, uh, there there were some people, so like, um, well, like DJ Moore is a good example of, you know, he, he averaged something like, I think, 14 points a game and half PPR. But if you take out that one week where he had 45 points, it drops down to like 
six or something crazy like that. So the, the stats can be misleading in terms of the average. Um, because if you have that one big spike week, like I'm just quickly looking at Trevor Lawrence's right here. Like he had a week that he had 32 points followed by 24 and 25. And then he never broke 20 again. So that three week period probably boosted him up to about that high of an average. So if he hadn't have had that, those three spike weeks, who knows what it would have been probably like a 14 or 15 point average. Cause that's what I'm seeing a lot of. Um, and probably is what you remember having him on your, your roster. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Jordan Love had an ADP of 149th overall. So again, Trevor Lawrence was 49th. Jordan Love, 149th. The 22nd quarterback going off the board on average. He averaged 22.5 fantasy points per game. So you could have punted on quarterback, picked up Jordan Love at the end of your draft, and you would have averaged three and a half points more per game and a much better fantasy finish because Jordan Love finished in the top four yeah all right mike who is your quarterback bust for 2023 it's geno smith so geno smith is somebody who i think with the stellar year he was having the previous season i think there was a lot of thought that maybe he could at least have a relatively stable year this year i think geno smith is someone who had like so many weapons on that team going into the season you've got you've got Metcalf um you've got uh you've got Lockett you've got a, a young running back who like was certainly at the beginning of the year getting a lot of hype as the things that he would be able to do and I feel like Geno Smith was somebody who you might have picked as that strategic later quarterback thinking like well can, can I can confirm him in there can I confirm get, yes I can I can throw Smith in there you know, he, he's going to finish. Okay. He's going to be fine. I can throw him in there and he'll be, he'll be totally good. And I just don't think he did enough. Like, I just don't think Geno Smith was what you thought he was going to be. I don't think that he really had the season to kind of compete with the year he had before. I don't have all those stats that you had right in front of me. So I don't know if, if I'm completely off my base, but I don't remember him having too many spectacular games. I remember him being a hit and miss quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and that's the thing. Like he, I think you could look at him and be like, oh, Geno Smith, I can wait till the sixth or seventh round or fifth round or whatever, pick a bunch of other players and pick him with my quarterback and I'll be fine. And you were probably pretty disappointed with him this year. I just don't think he lived up to what he did the previous season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, week one, slow start week two 23 points it's like okay yeah you know week one was just he was up against the rams you know okay that's a tough defensive matchup we'll move on and no that was <laughs> it was just bad uh, yeah it just he, wasn't wasn't good like he just never really yeah. got off the ground and again like yes you probably weren't sitting here being like oh he's gonna be a top 10 quarterback like i'm not saying that but i feel like he's someone who you're thinking oh if he's the 12th or 13th quarterback and I get him late, he's a steal, but he exactly. was not reliable yep. enough, right? Like he wasn't reliable enough this year to be your quarterback. Definitely not. And he did not stay on my team the entire season as a result. No. <laughs> yeah. You, you immediately got rid of him. Uh, and yeah. frankly, he just never recovered. Like he, he had a couple games here and there that I remember being like, Oh great. Like he had a good game, but then he followed up with a stinker and that's not what you need. You need a little bit more consistency than that. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on to running backs. 
my 2023 bust pick was Austin Eckler. Uh, so his 2023 average draft position uh, was number five overall. He was the running back two going off of the board. He finished as the running back 28 with 14 games played. Uh, in week one, he had 24 and a half PPR points, uh, injured his ankle, missed a couple of weeks after that. I think he missed or he missed three or four games. Um and he never scored higher than 20 points again that season. So he averaged 11.4 fantasy points a game over the course of the entire year. Meanwhile, if you waited, you took Brees Hall, uh, the 35th overall pick on average, running back 14. He averaged 14.9 fantasy points per game and quite possibly won you a championship if you kept him on your team and played him throughout the cha- uh, fantasy championships or the fantasy playoffs and the championship because he went on a tear and was just putting up an insane amount of points at the end of the season. Meanwhile, you probably didn't make the playoffs if you had Austin Eckler. Probably not. You probably didn't. Like, at least you were on the, or you were on the bubble, because you probably would have, like you're saying, like, so if he, his average draft position was fifth? Yeah, he was the fifth pick in the draft. So you pick him as your number one selection. Your yep, expectation 100%. is that he's going to be RB1 for you and that yep. consistent player throughout the, throughout the year. And he just never, he just never did it. You got that for one week, the first one. Yeah. yeah. And then, and you were probably thinking quite, ha- you were happy with yourself, <laughs> right? Yep. Like week one, you're like, oh, great. And then there you go. Exactly. Oh, do I have to go? Yeah, no, it's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> great. Okay, my my running back is Aaron Jones. So this one I was really torn between putting him in there or not because I know there were like injury issues. But but hear me out. This is why I think he, he's important to be in there. If you had looked at the Green Bay season, especially how well Jordan Love did, them making the playoffs and like going on this good run and having like a pretty efficient offense, you'd probably have thought that Aaron Jones was in the center of it throughout the whole year. And he just wasn't. And I think Aaron Jones, again, similar to my Geno pick, all my picks are kind of like, you didn't pick him to be your number one, but you picked him thinking you could have a solid flex player that would work for you, that would be on a team that has a young quarterback. They're going to need to run the ball a lot. They're going to need to focus on the running game. And the only reason why they're in the playoffs is they established a great running game and let Jordan Love kind of get some time. But that's not what happened. He was almost, even later, like he was great in the playoffs, but in fantasy, he wasn't. He was great in real life playoffs, but during the fantasy season and even into the fantasy playoffs, he was not the the X factor that I think a lot of people would think being like, oh, I'm going to pick Aaron Jones. He's a great flex. He's on a team that's going to need to run the ball. It just never happened. So yeah, to me, to me, Jones is one of those picks where like, yeah, you're not wasting one of your you know, maybe top five picks, but you're probably picking them in that next group from five to 10 rounds, five through 10. You might throw Aaron Jones in there. Um, He's a name. He's been consistent over the years. He just couldn't get it done this year. Um, Yes, there were some injuries, but I I honestly take injuries into account as a bust. It's still, it's not your fault as the manager. It may not be the player's fault, but it still helps attribute to to the bust. They just didn't play enough. They didn't get enough attention. And when he was there, he wasn't effective enough to even be a good flex option. So that's why I went with Aaron Jones. Makes sense. Yeah, for not having any idea we were doing this and not being prepared, I'm making a lot of good points. 
<laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, yeah. I think I'm once again crushing this. All right. Uh, wide receiver. So my 2023 bust pick is Garrett Wilson. His average draft position was the 21st pick overall. Wide receiver 9 going off the board. He finishes the wide receiver 32, playing a full 17 games. I mean, it can certainly be argued that losing Aaron Rodgers at the start of the season had an impact on him. There were other wide receivers who were able to perform better than Wilson, who also had substandard quarterback play. Look at Adam Thielen with Bryce Young. He did better than Garrett Wilson this season. Uh, Devontae Adams, well, Devontae Adams is a more established superstar, but that's what we were expecting out of Garrett Wilson heading into the season. And he had a carousel of quarterbacks in Vegas. Gary Wilson averaged just 9.7 fantasy points a game, never scored 16 or more fantasy points in a single game. Meanwhile, if you punted on Mike Evans and you took him late in the draft like I did, 76th overall, wide receiver 31, he averaged 14.3 fantasy points per game and was in the top five or top six, so top five wide receivers for the uh, 2023 season. So if you swung for the whole Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson hype, it did not work out for you this year. So my my pick for receiver is an emotional pick. Yep, um, that adds up. That makes sense. <laughs> so I, I'm going with Jamar Chase. Now, I know at the end of the day, he ended up having some decent numbers. Um, but most people would have selected him probably in a top five position. At least in terms of receiver, he's probably number two behind Jefferson. He had a total, a total of five games this year where he had over 20 fantasy football points. Why do I know that off heart? Because I had him for most of the season and traded him eventually for some playoffs there. And all, almost all the games he had those spectacular games in, he was on my bench because that's how inconsistent he was. He would follow up an amazing performance 25 plus points with like six the next week. And now I know some of that's Joe Burrow. And that's again, a circumstance you can't, you can't predict. Obviously it still makes him a bust. He had a handful of really good weeks and then a bunch of weeks that were mediocre. If you're, if your receiver is getting eight to 10 points a game, they're not even a flex option. You're probably just riding them on the bench, hoping you can upgrade later. Chase was that player throughout the year. He should have been a the number two wide receiver, maybe number three if you thought Tyreek Hill was going to have an amazing year. But but at the beginning of the year before Tyreek Hill, a lot of the lists I saw had Chase either one above Jefferson or two. So he was in that category of he's going to be a game-changing wide receiver. He's right in that category with Hill and Cooper Cup and Jefferson. He's right up there. He's in the top five. He's a fantastic option. He just wasn't it. And I don't think the inconsistencies are helpful, especially look at him for the final couple weeks of the season. I don't think in the in the playoffs he did a he did anything. For the no, actually, that, that was a point I was going to bring up. Uh... He did not score double digits throughout the fantasy playoffs. No, and that's something I, even though I traded him, I kept an eye on that because I didn't know about trading him and I was uncertain, but I kept an eye on it. And yeah, he did nothing. Not that my other receivers did anything this year, no. but that's, that's no. for another day. Um, that's for another we will, day. Oh, we will, we'll get there when we talk about next season. But yeah, there you go. It's Jamar Chase. Um, I, I drafted him with my number one pick. 
I don't remember where I was. I think I had a decent selection though. I, like I wasn't. I think you did, yeah. Like I, I was somewhere either on the on the you know the top side of of the half. Like I, I was in the top sort of six as opposed to the bottom six in our draft. And I picked Jamar Chase, and that wasn't like that's you can't fault me for that pick. Um, and it was a dis- it was a complete disappointment. Yep. No, I I fully agree. All right, Mike. Let's fully dive into our tight end rank review. It, it's about that time. has been, been put off. Trying, <laughs> we've been for, trying to talk about this <laughs> for weeks. Yeah, it's been ridiculous. We'll All see right. how wrong we were on this list too. Just like every yeah, other list. like every other list. So, real quick, our tight end rankings. So, for myself, I went Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Hawkinson. Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, and Dalton Schultz as my top 10. Mike, you had Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, Pat Fryermuth, and Kyle Pitts. So I think the nine of the 10 names are identical, just a bit differentiation in the order. Uh, I had Dalton Schultz, you had Pat Fryermuth. Outside of that, they were identical, just a bit of arrangement in terms of where we had them as on our individual lists. Yeah, same and, names, but uh, a bit of a different order. Yeah, overall, we, we, did, we didn't do too bad, uh, especially considering some of the injuries that happened this year. Um, number one, not on either of our lists, thankfully, on my roster, my boy Sam <laughs> Laporta. Yeah. 196.3 fantasy points. Good enough for tight end number one, over 800 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. So he uh, came out of nowhere. He is going to be a top drafted tight end next year. I can almost guarantee that. Uh, number two, Evan Engram had a had a bit of a late season push. He he had a while there where he wasn't doing too much, and then he he kind of he sparked up eventually. Yeah, and that was um, a bit of a jump. You know, for us, we had him both at eight. So the fact that he's number two, that's quite a jump. And now I do think a part of that is we had Hawkinson and Andrews go down with injury and Kelsey had the weird slump with the rest of the, uh, the chiefs offense. Yeah. Uh, So that let uh, Ingram squeak by now. Now he only barely beat out Travis Kelsey who finished number three at 172.9 fantasy points. Um, Ingram only had four touchdowns. Kelsey only had five. So that, you weren't getting those red zone looks very much with them, which you had no. historically. Um, Engram actually made up the majority of his points through receptions. He had over 114 reception. He had 114 receptions, so halfway PPR. That's why he finished at number two because that's where you, he made all his points. He didn't break a yeah. thousand receiving yards. Only only one tight end in the top twelve broke a thousand receiving yards. Which but is the rest of them a bit surprising to me. Yeah, that is surprising. That that's a, a lot of low volume, um, but Ingram was the only one who broke a hundred receptions, so that's why he finished at number two. Yeah, um, like I said, Kelsey finished at three. He had just shy of a thousand receiving yards. He had nine hundred eighty four. He only had five touchdowns though. T.J. Hawkinson finished at number four with one hundred seventy one point five points. So the difference between fourth and second was. 1.8 points yeah so at pretty close and hawkinson got injured um now he 
almost broke 100 receiving uh, receptions, almost broke 1,000 receiving yards as well, but also only had five touchdowns. So again, you're not getting that. You're not getting uh, those red zone looks. Like Sam Laporte is the only one out in the top 12 who had double-digit touchdowns because he was getting those red zone looks. Uh, George Kittle, 170.7 fantasy points. He only had 65 receptions, but he broke 1,000 receiving yards and had six touchdowns. So that kind of evened it out. But the problem that we've seen with George Kittle over the past few years is he's fighting in a very crowded offense to get those receptions. We've got McCaffrey. We've got Ayuk. We've got Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, their fullback gets involved in the passing game. Uh, Uzcheck. Um, they, they just don't really go to, to Kittle anymore. They, they have the other options now. For when he was in his prime in terms of fantasy he was the, the main target, right? They didn't have someone to throw it to. He was the safety blanket. Now they've got five safety blankets. Uh, so, and, and he deals with injuries and, and all that. So he's a very risky pick. He would, I, I think after what I've seen this year with, with the state of this, the 49ers offense, I don't think I would ever be comfortable drafting George Kittle again. Um, or if I did, it would be very late in the draft. Like he got passed over a bunch and then I'd be pairing him with, trying to get rich with another Sam Laporta style pick, you know, pick him at the very yeah. end of the draft and hope it pans out just in case yeah. because George Kittle's so unpredictable. Cause I feel like, I feel like there's still value to him in certain matchups in certain situations where you like, you know, the 49ers are going to roll with it and like score a lot of points and he can do some things, but I, I do agree with you. Like at the end of the day, I think if you're relying on him, that's a mistake. Like if this is like your tight end and you got to, but if you can get him cheap later and you just have him, or he's a waiver pickup for like a backup and you have space on your roster for someone, it's not, I still don't think it's going to be the worst call next year, but I would, he's not your tight end number one. He can't be like, he, he's just not going to be, he's not going to be able to be relied upon in that style offense with all their weapons to, to do enough for you. No, no, not unless something seriously changes, and I don't see that happening with the weapons they have. Yeah. Um, at number six, David Njoku, 160 fantasy points, 81 receptions, over 800 receiving yards, six touchdowns. He uh, he kind of had to overcome his quarterback play and yeah, pick it up despite, towards the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, despite everything that happened in that offense, it's surprising to see him here, but I mean, it tells you one, what type of player he is and that he is someone who can overcome some of those things, which I think matters when you're drafting players in fantasy. Sometimes you, it's good to look at a player, even though George Kittle technically was ahead of him in points by, by like what, 10. Yep. I would look at Njoku and be like, I'm slightly more comfortable drafting him because I know regardless of the situation, he's obviously going to be important and be a big part of this. So, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of how, how I feel about it. That circumstantial situation is important. Yeah. And he came on towards the end of the season throughout the fantasy playoffs. Uh, so we might see a bit of an overcorrection next season though, because people are going to remember, Oh yeah. In the fantasy playoffs, he was great and kind of forget, Oh, Hey, when he was playing with Deshaun Watson, he was not breaking 10 fantasy points a game. Um, so I think we're going to see a bit of that correction because they're paying Deshaun Watson all this money. He's going to be the quarterback again next year. Um, Which you've got to be 
if you're a very fan, concerned about you're very yeah. concerned about that <laughs> yeah especially with the loss of nick chubb um if nick chubb had survived and been there all season we could have seen a complete like not, not to say not to take anything away from the browns because they did very good they did. um but it would have been a completely different i think offense uh, with deshaun watson there i mean maybe he still got hurt and they would have had to deal with that anyways but yeah when it switched to solely focused on him because of the loss of the running back it it went off the rails very quickly so that is something to keep in mind for next season with david and joku because i imagine he's going to probably be a top four ranked tight end maybe top five yeah because of how he finished the season yeah but uh, just something to remember uh, number seven, Cole Komet, 144 fantasy points, over 70 receptions, over 700 receiving yards, six touchdowns. Didn't feel like that, though. If you had Cole Komet, it did not feel like uh, a top 10 fantasy performance from him. No. Yeah, again, that's just another one that I would say surprises me. Um, just because yeah. of observing the year, I wouldn't have, uh, I definitely wouldn't have guessed that. Nope, surprised me uh, as well. Um, but I think kind of like with the whole DJ Moore thing, you know, those those spike weeks, you know, you have a good game here or there, and it does a lot to pad your numbers, when, especially in the tight end position when, like, really, the difference between first and 12th is only 84 points. Hmm. That's That's not a huge amount. That's... Even if you only played ten games, that's two two extra points a game, right? Like, yeah. Um, but it's the consistency there. Uh, that's why the guys up at the top they tended to be a lot more consistent in their delivery. Um, this year was a actually a weird step away from that, where Sam Laporta was typically the only one who was consistent because even Travis Kelsey had those bad games. Uh, Hawkinson was pretty consistent too, but like I said, he did get injured. Um, but Engram, you couldn't really rely on him week to week. Joku, you couldn't until the playoffs. Kittle, you couldn't rely on week to week. Cole Komet, you certainly couldn't rely on week to week. And everybody after this, aside from, I'll do a special shout out for number 12, but aside from that, nobody else you could rely on uh, week to week either. Hmm. Um, number eight, Jake Ferguson, 141 fantasy points, over 70 receptions, over 700 receiving yards, five touchdowns. He kind of sparked in the middle of the season and then flared back out again. He uh, he had his time in the in the sun with the with Dallas, and then they faded away from him again. Just the CD Lamb show took over, and there wasn't that much room for to go around after that. Yeah, uh, which is a risk that you run at tight end position. If the tight end's not the focal point, then you become the checkdown option. And if you have an elite first option, you don't check down as much. Um, that's just kind of the nature of the game. Uh, number nine, Trey McBride, 141 fantasy points, over 80 receptions, over 800 receiving yards, only three touchdowns, however. So the touchdowns were few and far between for the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, I think Trey McBride, if if they had a bit more powerful of an offense, he, he easily could have been in the top five, especially as he took over that role towards the end of the season as being the main pass catching option. Um, so he's someone that I'm looking forward to next to see next season. And at number 10, Dalton Schultz, 121 fantasy points, over 50 receptions, over 600 receiving yards, five touchdowns. He dealt with injuries. We saw the dual wide receiver explosion 
uh, for the Texans. So he had a lot to compete with I, like going into the season. I know my expectation for him was there's a good chance he is the number one receiving option for this team. And wow, did that not happen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> CJ Stroud panned out to be above and beyond what anyone expected. So he didn't need that tight end check down safety blanket. And then we got Tell, uh, De- sorry, Dell and Brown um, taking off for uh, for the Texans, and he became kind of an afterthought. Or not yeah. Brown, sorry, N- Nico Collins. Nico what am Collins, I saying? Brown, yeah. yeah. But even not Brown Brown's. showed little signs of being like a good third option, which didn't help because really, like Schultz was basically the third option, and then every once in a while, you got this like another kid. Who, come, who comes out and does well. So, yeah, it just seemed like he was an afterthought in that offense. Yeah, and still good enough to be number 10 overall for the tight ends because that is how the tight end position works. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I just want to do a quick shout out uh, for the number 12, which was Mark Andrews. He had 112 fantasy points, only four, 45 receptions. Still broke 500 receiving yards and six touchdowns, but unfortunately due to injury, did not play a full season, uh, much to Mike's chagrin. He uh, that that is a, a season altering injury when you have a tight end like that who goes down with an injury that was like a that. devastating blow. Um, yeah, yeah, to my team. yeah. Especially when it happened in the season, so after in, in week eleven, you know it. You're kind of at the point where you're probably at your trade deadline either that week or the week after. When is it? Week twelve. Typically, twelve. Typically, I think, like in and around yeah. there. Yeah. So right, bef- thankfully, right before the trade deadline, at least, but right at the trade deadline and right before playoffs. So that's a huge hit for your team, and and well, you you can speak to that because it happened to you. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't. It's hard to recover. We'll just yeah. say that it's really hard to recover from something like that. Yeah. Well, we finally we finally did it. We finally got through our tight end review. Uh, only a couple weeks late, but there you go. It's a tough Thanks. position for fantasy, I got to tell you. So it is. Uh, yeah, tough one. It's getting tougher every year. Absolutely, and it seems like it's getting weaker every year, which is not great because it was already no. weak to begin with. No. But that is it for this week, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Stay safe.